let's say you were 18 in 2009 and you've been working for the last 13, 14 years, 31, 32. There's a very justifiable reason for you to think that times are always good. And we've talked a lot about younger generations having this sense of entitlement in the workplace. I think that extends to jobs and security. And I think that's the reason why what used to be scary news and mm-hmm. would stop people from spending hasn't stopped them from spending. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Mm, It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everybody. One and only Saeed Omar is a very happy boy today. I'm so happy. So happy. Not, Not because he wants to be sitting next to me or drinking a Red Bull or that he's recording the world's greatest podcast. But because he got a pair of shoes. What shoes, you ask? Uh, no, I don't think anybody asked. Yeah. Uh, not, not your typical pair of shoes. Not your yeah. typical pair of shoes. If you're watching this show on YouTube, that is if Odun actually hit the record button. I did this time. I he hope. did. Okay, he did this time. <laughs> I, I see, hope. Th- I see three red. <laughs> this is how we get people to yeah, This is not good. Yeah. This is, this we'll, is know, we'll know which listeners actually uh, came over to YouTube and checked it out because the shoes are right between Chris and I. <laughs> I'm not taking the bait, man. It's too early. All right. So this week, we're going to talk a lot about the U.S. economy stalling and how that impacts credit. And then a little thing called the Fed's beige book, which not everybody is aware of, I am sure. Mm. We're going to talk about one of the banes of my existence, buy now, pay later services, and how those services are actually starting to have some pretty negative impacts on the consumer. And I think this is all a tidal wave that's really going to mount in, in pretty, pretty obvious ways at mm-hmm. some point in the future. Then, of course, the logical next step is we'll talk about consumers falling behind on payments. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a problem. Right. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about layoffs, but we're going to spend a lot of time on this particular episode going through earnings per share we're in earnings season, and Saeed and I were talking off the show that a lot of times I have a tendency to assume that I think some people are more sophisticated than they otherwise, I, I think, feel, mm-hmm. and that maybe sometimes the content goes over their heads. So we thought it would be a good way to show people what to look for right? so that you can tell when you listen to someone's earnings calls or you see something on CNBC and earnings change if that's a good or a bad thing. Right. And it'll also give you a, ref- a reference point of data so that you can go and do your homework and look things up in and of itself on your own. Exactly. And if we ever do, let's say, a poor job of breaking something down that we may think is you know, common knowledge or most people know, but in fact it isn't, 
you hear it, just do yourself a favor and just Google it. That's in when we started the show, that's what we initially wanted to do, right? Is hopefully people get privy to some conversations and they are curious to learn about things that we're talking about. Well, I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, so I listened to all in podcasts and these guys are in the venture capital tech sector space, kind of right. private private equity in some cases. And it's like, look, like I don't understand everything they talk about sometimes. Sometimes no. they throw out acronyms and I'll have to Google some stuff. And yeah. I, it's like listening into a conversation of people that, not in our case, we're stupid, so it makes you more stupid. But if you listen to them, you would mm -hmm. be listening to smarter people, and that, right. that conversation would, I guess, in turn, if you pick things up vis-a-vis -vis like osmosis or something like that throughout time. Right. But if you ever want to look this stuff up, we'll try to give you as much of a background as we can so that you actually can use this stuff if you wanted to, to look at companies and to compare and contrast some of the things that you're hearing in the news with what you can actually see from a company's earnings report, their earnings call, and the information they put out. Yep. So, do uh, you want to jump into the beige book first? Or you want to go straight into that? I said we go for the beige book first. Okay. So, the U.S. economy has stalled. And this is according to the beige book and the Fed and some of the commentary that comes out in it. Yeah, maybe. And maybe before we get before into Before we it, get there. Before we yeah. get into it, maybe be, be worthy to discuss what the beige book is. Because it's, it's not something that... We've actually heard talked about a lot. It's a brown book, bro. <laughs> it's just a brown book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's basically a report that the Fed makes two weeks before every FOMC meeting. Yeah. Um, so Which doesn't usually get a lot of attention, mm -hmm. and it's rarely spoken about. Right. But there is a lot of juicy tidbits in there, and specifically from each Fed like location. Yeah, each district. There's 12 districts, yeah. right? The 12 districts, again, are Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Richmond, Atlanta, Chicago, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Kansas City, Dallas, and San Francisco. Yep. Um, and, basically, and why this one is being talked about more so than in the past is everything that's going on in the banking sector, right? That's, that's pretty much why it's being talked about. Um, and what it is, it's a report that's published eight times per year. Each Federal Reserve Bank gathers anecdotal information on current economic conditions in its district through reports for banks and branch directors and interviews with key business contacts, economists, market experts, and other sources. So once this report gets gathered and made, they review this report at the FOMC meeting when they all gather on May 3rd. Mm, that was eloquent. Yeah. This is why you're the chief economist. <laughs> this is why I just work here, bro. Nah. Arun, do you feel like you're in the presence of greatness right now? I am. Right? I mean, and you're not watching the Lego game again tonight, are you, right? <laughs> no, we already lost. No, no. Okay, all right. There we go. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Ooh. We, we lost. We have we have ownership in the Don't team. say yeah. Don't say we. You yeah. guys lost. <laughs> no, we. we. My I, life goes I'm on. I'm emotionally invested. You are emotionally invested in a very weird way. Yeah. It's yeah. very weird. Yeah. Would you fangirl out if one like if you saw one of the Lakers? No. No, no. I wouldn't. I don't believe that. Arun, do you believe no, that? I feel like I would only, I would fan, you know who I would fangirl out over mm. is like uh, some C-list or D-list celebrity. What? Yeah. Like Okay, you got you got to explain that. Like let's say if I if I saw like an A-list celebrity walk by I'd be like, "Oh shit, look, that's George Clooney." Like I'd just I'd be fine with that. But if like Casey Neistat walked by, I'd be like, "Oh shit, Casey, what's up, man?" I'd want to go talk to oh, him. Because you feel like that's more approachable. Not that. I I I guess I admire his work more. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess I, guess, I mean in that case I guess I get it, but Yeah. If I, like, I can uh, appreciate, you know, the artist in him. But if like Nicolas Cage, who's now like a B-list celebrity or D-list <laughs> celebrity, walk I by. I probably wouldn't walk up to Nicolas Cage. You don't admire his work? I mean, I admire his work, but I probably wouldn't go up to him. No. A part of me also doesn't want to give him that satisfaction that I noticed him. 
Wow, there's a lot of underlying resentment. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> towards people you don't know, man. Jesus. Share that one story about Vegas. How you big time that one? NBA oh player. my goodness! I guess, but I guess before we get into the Beige Report, there was an NBA player that I saw in Vegas. Okay, uh-huh. uh, what was his name? Wow, that's, that's a bad start. I can't <laughs> really remember. I, I, maybe it's best I don't even say his name. But I saw him and we met and I was like, talked to him and he put his bag down on the floor. He just purchased something at a store and he started talking to me, right? And I'm like, okay. And we're just having a conversation. Ten minutes go by. I'm like, wow, this is great. The guy was so cool. We had a full blown conversation. He's a backup point guard, so not like an elite superstar. He, he Bro, a, he's still in the league. Of what course, no, 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 he's not. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's, he was a journeyman. Yeah, he was a journeyman. I'm just saying that he wasn't a superstar that like everyone would recognize. Him. Yeah, but he played like I say, 17 years in the league, and he was very. Bro, that that's a, an accomplishment. Oh yeah, major accomplishment, right? And um, so he talked to him, and he's like, "Oh man, if you if uh, you have time, like, hit me up later." He gave me his number, and we'll link up later. I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, no problem." This guy sounds right? amazing, right? He's amazing, but he's there, double date. Uh, yeah, Keon Dueling, that's who it was. Okay, he he's there like on a double date with his friend and and their wives, right? Okay, I was there for a bachelor party and a bachelorette party. It was co-ed, right? And you were actually there on that trip. I was. Yeah. Oh, okay. And we so. We get done getting ready. Before we go out, I decide to walk over to the girl suite because my wife's over there. I want to check on her before the guys go out because we all get separated, mm-hmm. right? As I'm walking over, Keon Dueling is at a restaurant. I'm walking. I'm already, you know, I pregame, so I'm already feeling a certain kind of way. And I'm walking. I'm just trying to hustle over there as fast as I can so I can get back to the room. On my way over there, I glance over to my left at some restaurant sitting on a patio is Keon Dueling, his friend, and their wives. And he sees me, we make eye contact, and he stands up, okay, to greet me and say hi. But I had already started turning my face looking the other way, and it was too late for me to turn back and be like, oh, hey, what's up, man? But you couldn't turn around? No, I just kept going, because I was on the time crunch. Everyone was mad at me for leaving to go check on my wife, first of all. So I left to go check on my wife, and then I, and then I saw him, and he got up, and I... Once I looked away and I started walking, it was too late for me to look back, and I just kind of. Well, I don't understand why it's too late for you to look back. It just—it was already awkward at that point. You could have just turned around, so, and like, oh, so, hey, man! Like, so I just, so I just acted like I didn't see him. The true asshole of the higher. Standard. I felt so bad. I felt so bad afterwards. Did you you could have just shot him a text, yo, man. I'm sorry, I was, I was rushing around. Did, yeah. Did you do that? No, no, I didn't. Why? Because I felt bad. Well, where's this animosity coming from? There was no animosity. I didn't do it out of spite. I genuinely felt bad. No, no, no. You do shit out of spite when you don't. You could have easily followed up with a text message. Yo, man, I'm sorry about earlier. I saw you, but I had a dip. I had a thing. No, no, no. That would have made it even worse. It was like, wait, you saw me? Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Wow, you got all up in your feels about this, huh? You like mentally like I felt really bad. I felt really bad about it. Well, Keon Doolin, if you're listening to the show right now, (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's not listening. uh, You can go ahead and email the higher standard (laughs) and I'll send your hate mail straight over to Saeed Omar. Yeah. Who doesn't share publicly his email address because he's afraid of all the hate mail from other athletes like yourself, who he's probably been derogatory to. I just don't want any cryptocurrency. So you're the guy they all talk about that that shames him. Right, yeah. You don't want any cryptocurrency. (laughs) You see that Taylor Swift was the only celebrity that vetted FTX? No. I, I was like, how does fucking Taylor Swift the only one that vetted it? How did she? How did that come out? What did she say? She's she the did? only one that asked vetted like questions to vet them mm-hmm. in order to do like a sponsorship branding deal. Oh, and, I, then, I, and then when she started to vet them, they just never got back to her. No, I don't. I don't know if she did. I don't think she did. Mm. So, but I mean, I didn't read the whole article. It was Taylor Swift and FTX, and I was like, this is this is like dumb and dumber. Yeah, I can't. Right. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, fuck this ship is yeah. All right. So the beige book. 
So according to an article on uh, Bloomberg that I saw, the U.S. economy stalls, credit narrows, Fed's, blue, Fed's beige book says. Mm-hmm. Every time I see beige book, I want to say blue, blue book from, from college. And oh, for yeah. those of you who don't remember what that is, that's literally a blue book that's empty that you mm-hmm. wrote in for exams before there were laptops. Right. They actually had to go back to that because of ChatGPT. Oh, did they really? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. God damn, nothing sucks more than having a finger cramp while you're writing in a blue book. Uh, no, you, it's a skill you have to practice. It's, it's not good. It's. I used to get like the little finger indent on my thumb and on my forefinger. Yeah. From like holding the pencil for it's, so damn long. And so hard, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Always hold it so hard. I mean, you got to hold it hard. Pressure. Pressure makes diamonds. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. So the U.S. economy stalled in recent weeks with hiring and inflation slowing and access to credit narrowing. Mm. The Federal Reserve said in its Beige Book survey of regional business contacts. So that right there is a great example of why the twelve. Uh, Fed districts are so important, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting regional feedback from the 12 Fed districts, and it's published here effectively two weeks before the FOMC meeting. So you kind of have a baseline of what's going to go in there topic-wise and what they have for a data pool to look at. Because if you're Neil Kashgari uh, Mm -hmm. and you're in one district, yes, right, or you're Williams in New York, you're going to come in with a different perspective based on how your district is doing. And there might be credit tightening in the Midwest, right. in Chicago. There might be you know, credit loosening or there might be the, you know, still money flowing in New York or right. San Francisco. Or you know, some, some regions are experiencing uh, economic growth still or some are staying stagnant. Some are seeing you know, a decline. So it, it's good to know where everyone's at in the economy. Yeah, 100%. So this, this gives you an idea on the 12 districts. So a quote from the Beige Book said, Overall economic activity was little changed in recent weeks, the Fed said Wednesday in the report, published two weeks before each meeting, as Said said, of the policy setting Fed Open Market Committee, the FOMC. Mm-hmm. Quote, several districts noted that banks tightened lending standards amid increased uncertainty and concerns about liquidity, end quote. Now, I thought that statement's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, so... I think a lot of banks, regional banks, community banks, haven't tightened up their credit because they're uncertain about, you know, credit. Right, exactly. And this is the first time I've seen reference in the public, increasing increased uncertainty and concerns about liquidity. So the banks are saying, I'm not going to put this money out there in loans, which is a better return over time. Right. I'm going to hold it. In a worst case event scenario that other banks might fail and I need cash on my balance sheet because there's another run on deposits. Exactly. The, the, the deposit run fears that we thought may have been stopped mm-hmm. with Silicon Valley, with Signature Bank and um, what was the other one? Um, Silvergate. Silvergate Bank. Thank you. I keep forgetting that, yeah. that bank's name. <laughs> wonder why. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so those three banks go down mm-hmm. and there was a lot of rumors about First Republic going down. And people were like, oh, my God, if they go down, this could be a massive run on banks, even worse than it already was. Right. It seems that time has gone by now. And now that bank earnings season is here, start on the 14th and really is, is going to go through effect of the next couple of weeks as far as the re- re- regional banks. Right. All the big banks report on the 14th, like we told you about on previous shows. Mm-hmm. But really, it's not a credit tightening cycle because they're afraid of losses right now. At least that's not how it started yet. Right now, they're afraid of not having enough liquidity for a potential bank run on deposits. Yes. And because of that, 
the perception is tightened credit standards, but they're just not making loans. And that's a key differentiation. And for those that, you know, are well collateralized as far as, you know, the cash on hand, cash reserves, they're potentially, you know, tightening their guidelines because they also want to wait and see when the Fed's actually going to stop. Exactly. So if you make a loan today. Yes. At 5.25%. Right. But that same loan in literally a couple of weeks on May 3rd mm-hmm. is now 5.5%. You've made a loan that's underwater. Yes. Why not just wait a couple of weeks and see what the Fed does? And mm-hmm. presumptively, that's the last federal interest rate increase that we have, at least within the cycle right now. And especially during this time when everything that we're hearing is it's like every other month, is it, will this month be the time they hold? Will this month be the time they hold? Until they do finally hold, then maybe you'll start to see, you know, some loosening. So I heard a really good analyst from Wall Street say today, I don't want to hear any more speculation in earnings calls from banks about what the Fed's going to do. I don't want to hear that from any company for that matter. Okay. Because here's what's going to happen, right? Let's say Jamie Dimon's already come out and said, it's going to go up and up, and they're going to hold for a long time, and then it's going to go down. Right. That's effectively what Jamie Dimon said. Mm-hmm. Now, you come out, and let's say you're a large regional bank, or you're on uh, Facebook's earnings call. Yeah. Right? And you say what you think the Fed's going to do. Mm-hmm. Are they going to believe you, or are they going to believe Jamie Dimon? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the analyst was like, look, stop pontificating on this. Right. Go with, we are going to try to do whatever we can to increase our profitability as a company, which, by the way, is a foreshadowing comment because we're going to talk a lot about what companies are going to do to do that exact set of circumstances as time goes by. And, and how, they're gonna, how they could issue guidance, right? Correct. And, and you, you can best believe that in, in those guidance that they, that they issue, they will be citing how banking practices have tightening their you know, guidelines. And so we've been spending a lot of time in recent weeks talking about banking because it is a bit of a, you know, kind of a clusterfuck right now in the banking sector. Yeah, but it impacts so many different sectors. And we've said for a prolonged period of time that it's not the increasing of interest rates that affects the general consumer and other companies. Mm-hmm. It's the holding rates for a prolonged period of time. Right. Whereas the banking sector is in the forefront of this. Yeah. So this is really the tide going out before the tsunami hits. If you believe what the Fed said about the probability of a recessionary economy in the second or third quarter this year. Yes. Right? Exactly. So let's go back into the article a little bit. So the quote goes on to say, overall price levels rose moderately during the reporting period, though the rate of price increases appeared to be slowing, the Beige Book said. So what that's basically saying is uh, disinflation is happening, which was has been the Fed's target of what they were trying to accomplish, right? That's not, they don't want prices of things to completely stop going up and just stay stagnant. They just want the rate at which they increase to slow down. Right. We're talking about cadence, right? Velocity. We want to see those things slow down. Even though they're still moving forward, you have to know that they're slowing down enough mm-hmm. for, for people to go, okay, we're headed the right direction. Right. And why don't they want it to completely stop is because you still want economic growth. You still want GDP to grow, right? You never want it to stay stagnant. Like your weight staying stagnant? Has your weight stay stagnant recently? Or I would like the audience to recognize that I paused to give you the opportunity to make the fat joke you were clearly thinking about when you looked at me. Okay? <laughs> you I mean, paused? No, I paused because I knew you were thinking about it. I can I see did, you smiling through your teeth, about, man. I didn't think about I'm it. I'm just saying, I have feelings, bro. Come on, I know. Arun, I does this make feelings. you feel some type of way? 
Don't do this. Don't there's bring clearly, him. In. There's clearly a amount of discrimination going on about weight in the room. You've had some good workouts. I will give you that. Don't bring him into this. But have, I'm wrong. Do me a favor. Tell the audience Uh-oh. how you were being harassed pre-show. Pre-show. I made one comment about the shoes, and he starts attacking. Me. Ask See? him. Ask, what? Hold on. See? Ask him. Ask him. Odun, you the... paint yourself to be the superhero, bro. We all know what happens when, oh. when the camera turns off okay. bro, and the lights see, come let's down. See, let's see how let's see how dueling us. Let's see let's yeah. let's see let's see how honest Odun will get though. Oh shit. Okay, Odun. After the last time we stopped working out together during the pandemic, how many times did I bug you about working out? Never. Never. I only started bugging him again recently because you said he committed to it. It's cool. true. And then once he's once he's failing on his commitments, I got to call him out on it. I called you out on it too. You... He has a point. I had stomach flu. That's not good oh. enough. Jordan played on the stomach flu. I am clearly not Michael Jordan. That's on you. That's, that's, that's on you. Wear, bad reference. We wear his shoes. Not, yeah, I'm not I, asking I, you to play a playoff game, Chris. Just yeah, jump. Let me tell you right now. Nothing is more awkward than trying to work out when you don't know the the frequency <laughs> of the pooping that you'll be doing. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, when you're ex- when you're exerting and it's like, well, I don't know if it's gonna come out. No, it's it's just, okay. Listen, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm I'm gonna give you a, a an explicit rating for what I'm about to say next. Uh-oh, okay. Yeah. If you if you don't want to hear this, go ahead, skip ahead. If you go to the gym a lot, yeah. and I've been going to the gym for years, mm-hmm. I can work out through damn near anything—a headache, mm-hmm. you know, not feeling great, bad when, bad mood. But when you don't know if the shark is really a shark, oh man, and there there's like, you know, yeah, fluid in addition to gas. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you right now. Yeah. Nothing is more uncomfortable than trying to work out through that. No, there, there is no way. Yeah, to to no, Mm-mm. no. Yeah. I so I want you, I want you to know the severity of which my digestive system got to for me to have to. Pull okay, the blood. so you're committing for, you're committing for the rest of the month. Yeah, I mean I've been, I've been working out every day. Okay, just saying. I just want to make sure. He's only missed one day compared to me. Who? No, me? no, no, no. Christopher's Christopher's missed several days. Oh, no, no, that's not true. I haven't been logging all the workouts. <laughs> oh, yeah, same here. <laughs> 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 you have never not logged a workout, bro. That's not true. Nah, man. You guys took shots at my my wrist tan line, so I had to not wear the watch for a while. While I was working out. You, you work out indoors? No, nah, I was working on the rooftop. This guy always <laughs> with my with bro, my hand, up, with my hand up like this, hoping the tan goes away. <laughs> my tan line's pretty bad too. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's getting to a point where it's it's like, God damn it! It's it's clearly it's clearly you're right, but whatever. All right, let's get back to the beige book and stop being uh, you know a fattest. Right. <laughs> All right. The report marks a step down from the tone as of the previous beige book, which nobody clearly read, right. published in early March, just before Silicon Valley Bank's failure, which showed an economy that remained resilient, though growing doubts about the rest of the year. Okay. So mm. at that point in time, I think we can all agree that prior to Silicon Valley Bank and this bank run, yeah. everybody's pretty, pretty confident. And I think it rattled. Some parts of the sector, but I don't think it rattled everybody. Mm-hmm. I think some people were like, you know what? I'm not worried about this banking thing impacting me. Okay. They just yeah. moved their money. Right. They're like, all right, we're good. Yeah. I don't think they, they realized, I don't think the most consumers realized that this was so serious that there was a pullback. Mm-hmm. And there are only some banks that actually really, truly benefit. Like JP Morgan. Right. Their net interest margin went up. They're making loans at higher, at higher dollar amounts. Yes. They, they didn't cost them any more money for deposits. People were all ran there. Mm-hmm. Th- this was tremendously beneficial for they were them, ex- right? They were extremely profitable in Q1. I mean, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think, I think they rose like 7.5%. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they crushed it. I mean, yeah. but that that is in most banks. And most banks were like, you know what? Let's pull back a little bit on our activity. Mm-hmm. And, and even JP Morgan Chase, they have to look in the mirror and say, okay, you know what? Do we really want to go open up the floodgates and do full like lending or do you want to be smart about it? So right. that's an example of how a bank can be very choosy with their credit standards. Yes. But most banks that I'm aware of, unless you're one of the, you know, the top five globally systematic important banks, the GSIBs, if you see the acronym, mm-hmm. they're not tightening credit standards. They're they're just almost coming to a complete stall in lending because they right. don't know what's going to happen right now. Exactly. And then you couple the, you know, tight lending standards with what's going on in commercial real estate. I mean, that's a scary time ahead because a lot of those loans are coming due in the next two years. Remember that uh, 3,200 units in Houston that we talked about going foreclosing? Right. I found out the backstory there. Oh, really? Okay. This is going to blow your fucking mind. So give everyone the, the story first. So an apartment owner in Houston had 3,200 units foreclosed on. Wow. And he lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. And our underlying supposition was that he was in some kind of product that was pro forma based underwriting or you know it's based on future upside the property the property wasn't stabilized and there was a lot of people who were aggressively going after loans yeah this dude got adjustable loans one person yeah it was one company owned by essentially one person they got adjustable loans i think it was like in 2021 at 3.4 percent wow and they never locked in rates they never refinanced and i don't know what why they couldn't refinance it's probably because they had construction or something going on Uh uh-huh it was 8% when they foreclosed. Oh, my goodness. So that had a dramatic impact, obviously, on the cash yeah, exactly. flow. Exactly. And then that's that's the fear, right? Right. Is, uh, that's, what, that's the risk of getting adjustable rate mortgages, right? So, so it just goes to show you, like, but that, that's such an uncommon thing. Now, I will say, if an adjustable loan that was made at 3.4% mm-hmm. is now 8% with index plus margin pricing, right? Loans that are coming due from three or five years right. that were made at those rates are going to have a similar interest rate shock. While not granted, not eight percent, it's going to be you know at least three four percent higher. Oh yeah, right? absolutely, and it's not going to cash flow at, at whatever it's at. Yeah. So, um, and the only way to get it to cash flow is to bring more money to the table, or if you're syndicating deals, mm-hmm. bring in more investors. Bring do a, do a yeah. capital call. Yeah, exactly. And if you're Grant Cardone. You're living in a little place I like to call fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's not going to work well for him. The next couple of years will be interesting to see how he uh, moves and dances and shakes out of, out of uh, his rhetoric. Because unless he, dis- he disposes of the properties and sells them, which who's buying and you know, what, how's the capital work there, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think multifamily he- apartment units and commercial real estate will be significantly different for the next two to three years and they've been for the last five. Does he state whether he takes an ownership interest in the properties and stuff or does he get a cut just by managing? No, no, he gets, he, he retains an ownership interest in the properties mm-hmm. and he also gets the management fee. And he, and he sells it to himself and his investors, right? So he'll typically buy a property and this is just an example for like 12 million but then sell it to his investors for like 13 or 15. <laughs> yeah, he always juices them up. Oh, I improved the value. It's worth so much more now. Yeah. And you're like, what, what? Why? Yeah. yeah, it's very, it's very sus. Yeah. Okay, sus, so huh? moving back to the beige book, sus. Yes, I'm allowed to use that language. Okay. Stay on topic, man. Beige I, book. I think going through the details of this article provide. See, and you were giving me sass before we started this. I gave you no sass, no yeah. such thing. <laughs> we'll talk about the depositions later on that I was in. Yeah. At least you know broadly, I had a difficult time. 
not treating it like it was a podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't ask questions. You like, were, just, you, were you just thinking to me, what would I say back to Saeed right now? Because he kept asking me questions and I'm like, bitch, what'd you say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, so I, I had a hard time like putting like the attorney hat back on. Yeah. And I was, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, but I got a little sassy. Yeah. Did you really? And it got to the point where, because I'm so used to this, like a conversation. Right. That I'm not used to just sitting there going, yes, no, I don't recall. recall. Yeah. So I kept asking questions back. Yeah. I'm like, and what do you think about that? <laughs> and I give this guy credit. I mean, if you ever want anybody deposing you, this is the guy. He was, he was completely gracious. He was classy as hell. And, and he, I mean, for being on the other side, we even had a couple laughs in between. He was a great dude, so this is not a knock on him. Well, let's it's save just, it. Let's save it so we can yeah, get yeah. a little bit later. But me, the whole time I'm like, damn, I want to ask this dude a question. I, I, yeah. it, was, it was very difficult for me not to engage. Right. right. Like, I'm supposed to, and I was on camera too. They had like a little glamour shots background. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to come up one day if I ever get famous or something. <laughs> if you ever get famous. <laughs> they're going to be this, they're gonna be in the background of me going, yeah. <laughs> I don't recall. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Uh, the Beige Book likely reinforces the chances that the Fed policymakers will pause their run of interest rate hikes following an expected quarter point increase at the next gathering, May 2nd through 3rd, like we've talked about previously. It also may add to concerns that the economy is slipping into dum, 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 a recession. Mm. Who knew? Yeah. Higher standard knew. Yeah, we called it. A year ago. A year ago. Because we're that good. It feels like we've been in a recession. Should I, I, refer, should I refer to you as Nostradamus now? <laughs> Nostradamus? Yeah. No. Uh, you called it first. No, I think, well, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did call it first. Yeah. But I may be wrong. Clearly, no one at the National Bureau of Economic Research is listening to the show. Oddly silent, bro. I want to start sending them just emails, like just random emails. Like, hey, anybody home? Send them some <laughs> fan mail? Yeah. Like, hey, guys, I love you, bro. When's the next, when's, when's the next concert? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody here? Yeah. Y'all yeah. need some help? Some help? Yeah. Like, it seems like you could run a little behind. <laughs> yeah, they're all on vacation, yeah. bro. All together at once. Just send them articles. Y'all got nothing to say about this? Yeah. What y'all? What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. Remember that one time you declared a recession back in 2018 or 2020, whatever that was? Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. What about now? Y'all want to do it again? Yeah. What about now? <laughs> Anytime soon? Feels like it. Anybody home? You guys hiring an intern? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to work for you. You just won't work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like that. Yeah, he didn't like that. He's, Dedication to work. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Good just man. not working out. Yeah. All right. It also may add to concerns that the economy is slipping into that aforementioned reception, an outcome forecast by Fed staff economists at the last policy meeting in March. Mm. Consumer spending, which accounts for two thirds of the U.S. economy, two thirds, was generally seen as flat to down slightly. The Fed said wages remained elevated, but showed some moderation and the labor market showed signs of loosening up, according to the report. Now, all this, I really got the one important part that I got from this was all about how two thirds of the U.S. economy mm -hmm. was consumer spending was generally seen as flat or down slightly. Yes. Now, that is actually an interesting trend now. Right. So the economy remained flat during that period overall only in three districts. I think what they cited was Philadelphia, Richmond, and Kansas City saw economic activity decline slightly. Philadelphia, Richmond, and what was the other one? In Kansas City. Okay, so none of the major metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. The remaining districts were flat. Well, Philadelphia is pretty major, but... Yeah, they were flat and had slight growth, as you mentioned. So at some point in time, 
I'm going to predict now that they're all effectively going to go negative. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's going to be like, oh my God, we're in a recession, man. Where did this come from? I didn't see it. And we're going to be like, um, yeah, especially those the Jim Cramer fan club. Man. I mean, he doesn't see it, bro. There's no signs. Jim, I, the Fed missed the ball, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I honestly, I've been thinking about doing something for the show that I think might provide value for everybody. Mm-hmm. Because I know he's a scary motherfucker. Who? Jim Cramer. Why? Oh. I look at him and I'm like, this is what cocaine does to you. We, yeah, we should start <laughs> off every show like with you know a Jim Cramer report. I want to get a giant cardboard cutout and put one in the corner. <laughs> so we got like we got, a flat Jim Cramer. We got Ramsey over yeah. here. We got Cramer over here. Ramsey's book, bro. It's just what. Every time I look at this, I remember one thing that's really important to me. Battle of the Horseshoe. Well, yeah. I mean, he clearly needs a hair transplant. And yeah. As a transplant survivor, I can say, hook him up, bro. Why are you holding out? He wouldn't pay for it. He, well, yeah, exactly. He's put not, on a credit he's card. Not, he's, he's, he can't get his own credit card. He doesn't want to put Everything's it on a credit cash, card. Yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. He don't want the points. Every time I look at this, I think to myself. <laughs> This man made money because he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. That's how he made money. That's what he says. He got into the church life and then, you know, wow, holy shit. Is that Jim Cramer with hair? That's a bad look for Jim Cramer. He looks evil. How does he, look, how does he look better now? Look at, the, look at the one on the bottom, bottom left. Go, oh, go back to that photo. Look at the bottom left one there. Oh, my God. Yeah. He looks wow. like that comedian. What's his name? Oh, he does look like the comedian. Oh, the Louis C.K.? Louis yeah. C.K. Let's say Louis C.K. He does. Who would... Maybe it is Louis C.K.'s alter ego. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. So, as you mentioned, in the Beige Report, it also said, lending volumes and loan demand declined across consumer and business loan types. Several districts even noted banks tightened lending standards amid increased uncertainty and concerns about liquidity from the period of March 9th to April 10th. You know what? You want to know what I want to see? Hmm. I want to see, they're saying that they noticed several banks tightened lending standards. What's the what's the proxy for that? Are they actually banks telling them we tighten lending standards, or they're just seeing less lending activity? Probably less lending activity, but okay, that doesn't necessarily mean that they tighten lending standards. That just means that they're not making as many loans, right? But if you if you recall that that period of time that they're referencing, March 9th to April tenth, March tenth is when SVB failed. Was it March tenth? Yeah. A blackout that so that so they they clearly started tracking it from that date and yeah. they wanted to see <laughs> what the fuck's going on with these guys what's happening right all right Arun scroll up a little bit let's let's get to the end of this report because I know Said loves to move on to negative topics so the report put together by the Richmond Fed draws from anecdotal information collected by the institution's twelve regional banks like Said mentioned through April tenth mm-hmm. so just before earnings season started for banks yeah. It was the first beige book since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, like we talked about in early March, and spurred the financial market turmoil that we're currently living through right now, mm-hmm. and this, this, this palpable uncertainty. I know seasoned bankers that have been around for a long time that despite the fact that we've seemed to have passed this, this turmoil, right. are still afraid. Yeah. Everybody's kind of like, it's almost like they're waiting for like the shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Western Alliance stock today, they rallied. Did they really? And it was, an, it was such an interesting thing. They, they rallied because I think some of the things they, they said in their earnings call. But the headline was lost $6 billion due to the bank run, but have gained $2 billion back. Mm. And the headline is all about them stabilizing, being able to bring deposits back. And I thought to myself, that's still $4 billion negative. That is still $4 But that's, that's part of what we're going to get into when, they, when, they start, when companies give guidance um, on what you can expect. They're all going to cite, it wasn't because of us. 
It's because of, you know, the bank runs. And just like three years ago, what every company was saying was, it's because of coronavirus. It's not us, right? So they got to say something to save face. All right. Well, with the segue that I will take, let's get into a very open conversation about analyst expectations. Let's talk about what we expect to happen. So clearly, I think we can expect tightening to happen in the markets. You're seeing an additional round of layoffs at at, uh, Meta, which we'll talk about, Mm -hmm. and more layoffs to come. I think a lot of people who saw the layoffs going, oh, it's the tech sector. Oh, it's the banking sector. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's been a lot of layoffs. It's been all over the news. Like, oh, God, that was terrible. Right. I don't think they realize that this is just the beginning. Yeah. And one of the things we're going to see as a trend here is expense management. Yes. Okay. So you're going to see, you're going to expect tightening during the next several months because the way businesses make money is they sell products or services, right? Right. Generally speaking. And that's the top line revenue. Yes. Right. If that number comes down, but you want to maintain your profitability. Right. Right. You want to manage your expenses downward. Right. Simple logic, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not making as much much money in gross, right. You want to lower your expenses so your net, the gross minus all your costs and your expenses, equals effectively the same amount of profit or better. Right. So that means some aggressive expense tightening by companies and expense management over the course of the next several months, even if there isn't a recession, there's just consumer spending pullback or people just aren't buying your product or service the same amount they were. Because they do have to manage that stock price, right? Correct. And the easiest indicator that I have found when I look at this stuff Mm -hmm. is earnings per share. Right. Your earnings per share is, I think, largely thought as the best proxy for your profitability Mm-hmm. and how well you were managing your business in light of your profitability. Right. Now, there are drawbacks to it. You can't solely just look at it. No, no. It, it's, it's a proxy. It's kind of one of those quick things you can look at and mm-hmm. determine, okay, is this company making as much money or more than money than they made before? Mm-hmm. What's their expense management look like? And, are they more profitable? And you never want to look at it just a snapshot of like that quarterly report or annual report that you're looking at. You want to compare it to previous reports. Well, you. Most notably, depending on the seasonality of the business, you want to look mm-hmm. at it from the same quarter from a year earlier or maybe yes. a couple of years earlier if you can. Yeah. So let's walk through how to do that. Yeah, we can walk through how to do that. But I think that before we get into that, I think some things that are worth sharing, right, is these quarterly reports. Okay, every quarter companies are required to report their financial performance to the SEC. If publicly, publicly traded companies. If yeah. they're publicly traded, right? So this is a requirement that they have to provide. And of these reports, the three main ones that you can look for typically that you'll find are an income statement, a balance sheet, and a statement of cash flows. Which sounds like a simple thing, like it's three do- three documents, but in reality, in, in actual practice, yes, that is a shit ton of information right. for publicly traded companies. Right. And why why Chris and, and I believe this is, and uh, most investors in the space that know what they're doing, I think it's such an important you know piece of information to be analyzing is if earnings beat expectations, it suggests that the company is stronger. If they don't meet expectations, right. it's suggesting that there's some problems on the horizon. So let's let's break this down in a simple, easy to understand example. Okay. Let's say on a scale of one to ten, Said is a five. Okay. Yeah, five. You're five. Fuck. Let me You're know. not a one. Let me know in the comment section. You're not a ten. 
Okay. And let's say your parents know you're a five. How much do I get for personality, though? You, you're a five. Okay. <laughs> Aesthetically speaking, you're a five. Aesthetically. Okay. You're for this example. You're a ten in my eyes. Okay. Okay. I feel much better. Right. Yeah. You're really hot for a brown guy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's worse than when somebody tells you you're attractive, comma, but for but, something, yeah, right? Yeah. It's the worst. I'd always get it for the short guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For a guy whose booty outweighs his shoulders. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you're very attractive. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> it's sad because it's true. <laughs> Everyone might be dying back there, bro. I can see him. <laughs> He's like, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen up, pear-shaped boy. Yeah, so for a five, okay? Let's say your parents, right? Huh? They know you're a five. Hey, my parents, yeah. Okay. They know you're a five. They, they've looked at you. They've analyzed what you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. You're a five. And they're like, oh, my son, he's a five. <laughs> right? Why'd you say it like that? Okay. Now, this is an example, okay? All right. Your number, the five, is the average analyst expectations and your parents have analyzed you and for, they've, for they've people, determined that you are a five for people like me with the right. same attributes right now if you were to bring home an eight girlfriend yeah they are they are fucking impressed the, yeah. wow our son has outperformed beat expectations he beat expectations comes home with a master's degree they, they, they tell everybody our son he's so impressive yeah like he, he somehow accomplished this eight right we don't know how or what he did, but it it beat our expectations. By God, he did it. Good, good God. <laughs> Maybe he's well endowed, yeah. right? And then, then what if the opposite happens? What if you bring home a three? Oh man! And they look at you like, "What did you do, son? We we, we know you're so, a five. You we can do so, better. We worked so hard to get over here to America. We 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 provided for you, right? Luckily, like, you, yeah. you groom yourself. Luckily, I beat all the expectations. Yeah, I, I got a ten. You did in real life. You got a, ten. got a ten. Okay, yes. but what if you bring home a five now? Uh -huh. Everyone goes, mm, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's what we thought. Makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another pair just like you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, so that stock price stays the same. So earnings yeah. per share is really no different, except instead of having two parents, mm -hmm. you typically have several analysts, right? right. More than one person who's a subject matter expertise on the sector, and they cover two or three or sometimes more than that stocks that they know very intimately well. Right. And those analysts publish their findings, and they're aggregated and on display for all of you to see, so you don't have to have subject matter expertise when you look at earnings per share right. to say, God, you know, should they hit this number? Should they do better? Should they do less? Mm -hmm. You can actually find that. Right. Shall we walk through finding it? We could. So I like Yahoo Finance. I've just used it since I was a kid. Uh, Saeed likes SEC.gov, which also I think in some ways has more information. I think Yahoo Finance is a little bit truncated. Yeah, the, the good thing about Yahoo Finance is they do a lot of the analysis for you. Yeah. If you go to SEC.gov, you're seeing the actual forms that are submitted by these publicly traded companies. So what I typically tell people is if you really want to see kind of the highlight reel, go to Yahoo Finance. I like it better than the Apple app because Apple doesn't have all the data there. Mm -hmm. But if there's something you want to get more insight into or get more detail, underlying detail, you absolutely go to sec.gov, pull up the actual public filings, and you can pull them out. Yes. So let's go to Yahoo Finance like we're at, and let's pick a company, any company. I think Tesla is one we were looking at earlier. So let's mm -hmm. let's go up to the search bar, hit Tesla's stock ticker, or just type their name, mm -hmm. T-S-L-A. Yep. There you go. And you'll click on it and go to Tesla Inc. This is their stock, right? 
Right. Uh, it's traded on the NASDAQ. You can see that in real time. Now, I always look at the charts. I think the charts are very, very important. But for most people looking at them, they're like, it's going up, it's down, it's red, it's bad, it's green, it's good. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the analysis section. Yes. Okay. Now, you have a bunch of other sections, which we'll cover in a later episode. But for now, this is what we're talking about. So what you're getting here is a snapshot of earnings estimates, revenue estimates, earnings history, and all sorts of information, which is really just taking all the data and aggregating it for you. But let's look at this first left column here if you're following along on YouTube. Effectively, you've got a column that says current quarter, March 2023. And the line items below that are number one, number of analysts. In this case, there are 26 analysts that have given the data that we're going to talk about. Right. Below that is the average estimate. So the average estimate on earnings mm -hmm. per share is 85 cents. Yep. 85 cents per share. Positive so, means it's profitable. Right. Negative means it was not profitable. Yeah. So in this case, 85 cents. So they're expecting Tesla to make 85 cents per share in profitability. So the natural question is, well, what was the low of that range? That's the next line down. The low estimate was 69 cents per share. So one of the 26 analysts said, ooh, yeah, I think they're going to hit 69 cents per share. But you could also you could look at that and say no, none of the analysts expect them to lose money. Correct. And then you go to the next line down, and the high estimate was $1.06, 21 cents above the average estimate. Mm -hmm. Somebody thought they're going to make some pretty good money. Right. A year ago, the earnings per, per uh, share was a dollar and seven cents. Makes sense. So the consensus, the average mm -hmm. of 26 being 85 cents per share is below what they did a year ago. So they're expecting to be less profitable now right. than they were a year ago. And okay, so Yahoo Finance is great for this reason that they do all the calculations for you. Okay. But basically what it is that they're calculating for those that want to know what earnings per share is, is you're taking the net income uh, for you know a given statement that they're providing divided by the outstanding number of shares that the company has, mm -hmm. right? So let's just say if a company had you know twenty million dollars in net income and there's ten million outstanding shares, then their earnings per share is two dollars. Mm, damn, that was a pre predetermined example, and that came off smooth. Thanks, sir. Right? I just upgraded you to a six. <laughs> Whoa, let's go, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So also two columns over. I should point out that most people refer to quarterly earnings per share when they're talking about profitability. Mm -hmm. But on the far right of this same chart, you're going to get two things. You're going to get the current year, 2023 EPS. So the number of analysts, 35, mm -hmm. had an average estimate of $3.87 per share on the year. Right. So they expect the company to earn $3.87 per share for the course of the year, as opposed to the 85 cents on average, the estimate that they, they, they thought the company would earn during this quarter. Wow. So clearly it's a compelling difference. Now, if you were to take 85 cents, multiply times four, that's going to be what? See, 85 times four, 160, uh, 320, three, yeah. 340-ish? Yeah. $3.40. So, and they're expecting some shares, some quarters to be a little more lumpy. Mm -hmm. Now, next year in 2024, 34 analysts have an average estimate of $5.42 for the year. Wow. So they're expecting dramatic improvements in the profitability. Right. Now, if I if you were saying, Chris, hey, do I want to hold this stock for, for long term? Right. I would say, yeah, you probably want to you know, own it through 2024. Right. Where if they're spinning off more money in a year from, from now, mm -hmm. right? Unless something goes wrong or there's something unforeseen or maybe a recession impacts them, whatever that might be. I mean, there's right. always... We, we don't know. We don't know. And these things do get revised upward or downward and they do change. They do. 
That being said, and they're never held liable for any of their projections. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, yeah. keep in mind, there's also a consensus of multiple people who are supposed to be subject matter experts mm-hmm. in the sector and in the business. Right. But in this instance, right, you you have effectively 34 people who are those subject matter experts who are predicting the earnings to increase dramatically in one year. Right. I would say you buy the stock and you hold it for a year and expect the share price to reflect better earnings in a year from now. I know, and, th- and that is my investment strategy. Everything, everything that I do is long-term holds. Yeah, I like to hold everything for a long time, real long time, like I your mean, weight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why. Arun, I got you, bro. See, we, see, fat Joe's can go two ways. See, man. you Thank know you, what I mean. Sir. Your problem, um, I got you, bro. See, I, I just have to stay committed to all my practices. I have to make sure it, it correlates to everything else in my life. Another job. He's coming in hot today. He is coming in hot today. It's because you made fun of him last time. I did make fun of him last time. You did come up with zero energy last time. That's not true, man. I literally yawned when you were talking last time. That that was your fault. You just got mad because I disagreed with you. I never get mad. I encourage disagreement. Yeah, I know. I just don't encourage you to be wrong when you disagree. (laughs) What was wrong about it? What was wrong about it? Well, okay, first of all, you were throwing around a little attitude when you disagreed. A little sass. <laughs> yeah, you you were giving me like this look, like the side eye shit. And then now we're on now we're on camera. Yeah. So yeah, see when you do that shit, <laughs> people are gonna see that. And they're gonna be like, listen, are we really on? It camera? sucks. Yeah, like, yeah are it we? Sucks. Yeah. Hey, we don't it's, know if you push the red button or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We've experienced that one too many it's times. Now. Seeing five red. Now, yeah. now when you go <laughs> when you go off on tangents and you don't stop, people are actually gonna see me do do this too. <laughs> People are going to realize that you're really the villain, and I'm not. Yeah, you've been no. paying me the villain this whole time. People are like, God, God damn it, Chris, that asshole. Yeah, I remember talking about PJs Dude, and you, black cars. Fuck that guy. Said so humble. You paid little. It, do they know? You paid okay? me not to be a certain. This certain shit guy right here. This shit right. These two thousand dollar unnecessarily expensive shoes. They're his. Who got them for me? Doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Who got they're them? Yours. Who got them for me? Don't, don't come over here. I'm wearing socks. In dirty ass vans outside. The shoes, You're in here rocking this the shoes, with the extra pair of the shoes. You got shoes, two pairs of shoes here. <laughs> the shoes that I pay for. Well, those are those are the limited edition. All, all star chucks. Yeah, well, Chris was gracious enough to hook hook his boy up with a pair. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You well, you spent two thousand dollars on those. I did not. Yeah, I would never. Terrible. I would never. Not not in this economy. They're in your size and not in mine. <laughs> yeah, your <laughs> your wife wouldn't let you. Yeah, that, that's that's a bad point. His wife's first question. We reselling these, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I sent her. I sent her a photo of the shoes that Chris got me. She's like, "Wow, those are really cool." I'm like, "Yeah, those are the Travis Scotts." And she's like, "Oh, so we're gonna resell them?" No, we're gonna rock these. Yeah, you gotta wear those. Yeah, and don't be the guy who doesn't wear them because he's afraid to get a crease. No, I'm gonna be the guy that wears them like obnoxiously, like every day. Where people are be like, "Dude, do you own another pair of shoes?" Can I admit to like a anti sneakerhead passion that I have that really bothers a lot of sneakerheads? Love it. Let's go. I love. I love Jordan ones that are beat the shit. Oh yeah. Like I love like really worn in, like vintage looking shoes. Mm. I got a couple pairs that are like that. Like I have a black pair of like 1985s that I wear a lot. Right. I've literally I've taken a hot like screwdriver and and poked out the holes. I've got like metal rivets in there and stuff. Yeah, I've yeah, got like yeah. pink laces on them. I remember, I remember, yeah. I remember when you changed yeah, out those I laces. I beat those to shit. Right. I love it. I've just now come, I've never been that guy. I've never been that guy to actually appreciate like a worn-in shoe. My shoes have always needed to be a certain kind of way, like when I go out. But now I can start to appreciate it. Like Chucks look better more they're worn in. It depends, man. It's not not every aesthetic goes that no, way. Exactly, it depends on the attire. But it, it's you know, it's, it just blows me away. Like I'll wear like trendy shoes, like the Travis Scott stuff, out, mm-hmm. and people will be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know those, right?" Yeah. 
but you wear like some 1985 Jordans, Jordan yeah. ones, right? And people be like, "Oh yeah, those, those look pretty old." Yeah, and you're like, "Come on, man! Like these are way more culture, yeah. like way more history." Yeah, exactly. There, I mean, there's there's, not sto- as... there's stories behind the shoes. Yeah, man. I remember when I wore certain shoes to certain events. Yeah, not 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 as relevant, not as loved. No. It's 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 a trip. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so the idea of of this particular segment was to break down. Just one piece. And I mm-hmm. think what we should do is we should probably get into more and more of the financials over time. Mm-hmm. But this would give you a great way as a starting point to start gauging companies that you want to look at. Right. Both on a quarterly aspect and both on an annual aspect. Yep. And it doesn't take a lot of time to look this up and you go, hey, you know, I'm thinking about investing in Apple. I'm thinking about investing in Target. Mm-hmm. Right. You can go look this information up and see where the analysts put them and say to yourself, okay, is that better than expected right and do i feel comfortable about it now you still have to watch the sector you still have to come back and look at these numbers over time or you could go warren buffett style right warren buffett says i see value in what this company is doing long term Mm -hmm. and i think they can make more money and improve their efficiency and i believe in the management team see and that's the reason why um i'll I'll never forget the first investing book that i read uh shout out to professor norris he he hooked it up one and only Uh, rule number one by Phil Town, right? And um, he in there, he, he goes how Warren Buffett used to go in. He would have to go, go somewhere to check out the financial statements. And he would sit there all day and he'd read them and he would memorize them, right? That's why I personally still like to look at, you know, the filings on sec.gov and doing the numbers and doing the math myself because I feel like I retain the information better. When I just go quick into yahoo finance and it just tells me the eps yes i guess it's, it's a good time saver but i don't really feel like i'm understanding okay but whatever yeah. company it is that i'm looking into but here's what i would say is number one you're talking down to the audience no i'm not you're, you're big them a little bit how you, you you know i'm sophisticated i can look at these things no no i, I was willing you know, to, I, I, I don't look at this trivial information because i'm more sophisticated than that no no not this, not at all arun can you co-sign that please I agree. He was about to say something too. I was willing to go to finance. Yeah. No, I wanted. I I wanted to show mm-hmm. the listeners instead of because mm-hmm. you you chose Yahoo Finance. I wanted to. The go villain to the, has been revealed, America. No, it's 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 actually it's not that hard. So you just go to wow. SEC. Wow. Hey, listen, you wow. dumb folks out there. You Damn folks it, out there. bro. Hold hey. on. I want to keep can all I eighteen finish? of our audience, man. Can Why I, are you doing this? Who are you? Can I just finish the thought, please? You get one pair of Travis Scotts, and this is what happens. Hey, right. dumb folks, listen to say this is how you do it. No, mm. no See, he's not, not wrong when he's right. It's not. You just go to sec.gov. <laughs> oh, oh shit! You go to company filings. There, right there at the top. You search the company the same way you did on Yahoo Finance, and you just click on quarterly reports. Okay, except here's the problem. This is a this is a multi step thing. Yeah, you're used to underwriting things. Okay? Yes. Yes. And for the purposes of this conversation, this but, is a good starting point. don't you think, it is a good starting point, but don't you think it would be valuable for someone also who's get, getting started? I think it could be very overwhelming. It can, for sure it can, but we always talk about on the show, don't do this, don't do this soft serve shit now. You're the type of guy that says you should throw yourself into the fire and figure it out and learn. I would never say something as abrasive. Get the fuck out of here. This guy... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's also e- I'm a hard work guy I like, I think I like doing the work I think it's equally as important to get yourself familiarized with these financial statements so here's what I would say to that okay if you're looking looking to make a significant long-term investment you should absolutely dive in all that stuff yourself and draw your own conclusions yeah and compared to like like companies right 
Right. But um, if you're not and you're just looking at stock and you saw a ticker symbol go by or you're just curious, mm -hmm. this is a good first starting point to, to ask yourself. And now questions. that we have the YouTube channel up and running, maybe we'll do some uh, side clips to, you know, further explain things. Side I mean, clips? Bro, we barely got the YouTube channel started. Now, you, now you're over here talking about how we can do extra work? Man, I mean, some of us are willing to come here on the weekends, bro. Don't lie. That's stop. Don't do that. I came in. I came in this week. I know, that's why I said it. What were you doing? That's why I said you didn't tell me. I'm you over were here working on cable management. You, 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 huh? <laughs> you didn't tell me. I you shouldn't were have to tell you, bro. I should, I'm waiting for the day I come in here. I just find you here. Oh, really, bro? Hey, bro, I'm, I'm out here working. <laughs> it's never happened. Uh, first of all, I don't, don't talk do like that. I don't, don't, don't do, do that. Don't do what you're supposed to be on my side. That we're tagging him. We decided of the day that was the deal with days. I was. I was. I was. However, how many times I messaged you about, yo, let me come in, let me do some stuff, and you're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Bro, you, you have are, a key. You are, no, I don't. Okay, your brother has a key. Ooh, you don't need to give him a key. That's fucked huh? up, bro. You got a key to make a copy what, of yours. What kind of asshole doesn't give the third team member a key? Damn, bro. Wow. I, I thought you gave him a key. Wow. You're going to do this? You're going to do this? <laughs> Don't take these away. I, I'm going to slap. <laughs> Ooh. I swear you made God. me do that. I swear to God, you okay. gave me another pair. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, man. All right, well, let's. Speaking, there was, of, speaking there, of negative news, <laughs> there, there's a lot, but there's, I wanted to get into it just a little bit further on earnings per share and why it's so important. So you're trying to flex your knowledge base? No, I'm not. Cause I did research okay. for the show and I, and I wrote out a lot of stuff that I wanted to make sure made it into the show. Take your time. Go ahead. He's bringing the energy. Yeah. Bring, no, bring the energy. No, no. So the number of outstanding shares can vary on, on a company because the companies can also like, we know that it's currently going on, and we know companies have done this to signal strength and belief within their own company. They can buy back their own stock, yes, or they could be selling stock, right? Which, um, in one way, actually increases your earnings per share. If you buy back stock, it increases your earnings per share. Yeah. That's why you never you never want to look at earn, an earnings per share, you know, just in a snapshot of time. You want to compare it on an average basis. And right? another common thing a lot of investors will look at is your dividend. So mm -hmm. your earnings per share might be $0.30. Cents. Yes. Or a dollar, what are you paying as a dividend back to your shareholders? Mm -hmm. Some companies don't have dividends at all. Some companies have them. Some companies declare them, they stop them. You know, it's never a good idea to stop them once you declare them. Right. But you can return part of your earnings back to your shareholders in the form of a dividend. Yeah, exactly. So, but if they're, you know, diluting, if they're selling stock, kind of like what SVB did. What attempted to do. Attempted to do. And never before, got there. Yeah, never got there before they failed, right? Thank you for the correction. Or um, You're that, welcome for fucking up. That will, that will decrease the earnings per share, right? Um, and it's not always a negative thing. Sometimes they'll, they'll give out more stock to some of their officers in the form of payment, right? Yeah. So, well, RSUs, comp, stuff like that, yeah. Right, exactly. So uh, just looking at a company's earnings, you won't be able to tell I won't tell you much because you're looking at the figure as an individual owner. You need to look at the earnings per share to see how the company's doing on a per share basis. Yep. So I mean, all to say, you need to be cautious and do your due diligence. And yeah. these numbers are very, very high level. Right. And then the drawbacks to just looking at earnings per share, which we said, you don't want to look at this solely by itself. Right? Because uh, earnings per share are calculated using cruel accounting. I didn't know that that's what it was called. Accrual. Accrual accounting. Yeah. And in this method, a profit can be listed even if the money hasn't been collected. Yes. Right? So you can see... Because you've accrued the debt that's owed to you. Right. Yes. So you, you, can, you can see how... Versus uh, cash accounting where you have the money in your pocket. How, how companies can manipulate these figures. Right? It's not really manipulated because a lot of them are regulated. 
they are regulated, but if they're saying that they made a profit but actually haven't received the funds yet for the profit, they can report it as a profit, right? But on the flip side yeah. of that, uh, expenses that haven't been paid yet are written off as if they are paid. So if I am a manufacturer mm -hmm. and I report on accrual and I've sold you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, $100,000 worth of my product. Right. And I haven't seen the money yet, but I've shipped the product. Mm -hmm. The accrual payment is owed to me. And let's say you pay over the course of a 30 or 60 day window, like you typically take 60 days to pay. Right. I've already delivered the product. Mm -hmm. You've got 60 days that you normally take to pay me. It, that accrual accounting will let you recognize at the end of the quarter, end of the year, mm -hmm. that money that's earned, you just haven't received it yet. Yeah, but during, during an economic cycle that we're currently in right now, I mean, I don't know. Anything could happen. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah, you know 100%. what I mean. Um, and then if if you're looking at you know the stock buybacks that companies might be doing that could impact the company's earnings per share, just so that it could go up and meet their expectations. What, well, where, where I, I don't can... think that they're really doing it for that. No, reason. they're not. They're no. doing it to signal strength that they believe in their stock at this price. Right, and that and that's definitely you know the outlook that they're going to provide. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I'll say is, if you wanted to look at that and you were curious to know where you could find the outstanding shares is it would be on their balance sheet. Yeah, a lot of the, like Yahoo Finance actually lists total outstanding shares there as well. Yeah, so, so. that's another benefit to yeah. Yahoo Finance. Does all the work for you. Wow. Kudos. Bro, the level of arrogance coming off you tonight. I'm is just very, saying I don't We probably shouldn't put this on YouTube. What? I'm just saying because don't Because the YouTube fan base There's going to be there's going to be some listeners that are going to want to know where these things are located on the actual financial statements. They're going to be real with you, bro. They're going to let you know. You can't hide. You're trying to pay me out to be this bad guy. I'm not, I'm not paying anything. I'm just, I'm being, I'm being honest. Yeah. You're a five. Oh, I'm a five. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Hey, Noriel Rubini's a five. Noriel Rubini. <laughs> He's a five. Come on. Dr. Boom. Yeah. And the sad part was after we recorded that show and we went home, the next day I wake up to photos <laughs> that Saida sent me of Noriel Rubini dude, with like hot chicks. Dude, I had to go, I had to Google it. I was like, Noriel Rubini hot tub, right? And I clicked images, and then next thing you know, all the photos of him. With There's him. not a little bit out there. There's a lot. You know, different stages in his life. I mean, he, he <laughs> has been in the game for a long time. Yeah, he knows, he knows a little bit about buy now, pay later. I guarantee you there's baby powder everywhere he goes. Yeah. Look at this. Oh, Rune, Jesus. Wow. What the fuck? This guy. I think he's got an Asian fetish, too. Have you noticed that? I uh, know I don't I don't see race, bro. Okay, well I don't know what that what he's very. Look at him, you know he's wow. holding, he's holding a Jack and Coke too. This God, guy, bro, that's a cranberry it. vodka, dude. That's a cranberry. Okay. Is that a cranberry vodka? I'm colorblind. Uh, Isla Nicholson and Norio Rabini attend Corey Lane birthday. This guy is literally a rock star. Look at this shit, dude. We gotta have him on the show. And why are there always women posing? There's there's yeah. three girls there. Yeah, well, this is awkward. Like, there's a guy taking a photo of you, and you're hanging out. Like, how is he not like? I do not. I legitimately do not understand. Yeah, <laughs> look at that pose right there on the staircase. Sandra Navidi on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know who that is. What is he doing? Who is he? Captain Morgan. Well, what is that in the middle with the five girls? Yeah, I don't know, man. Everybody wants to be famous. Activist stocks. Everybody wants to be. Famous. I am very confused about who Noriel Robini is. I think he's confused. No, I don't think he is at all. I think. Look, see, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he has a type.
Looks like he's been wearing the same shirt for 20 years. And it works. Yeah. Why would you change it? Yeah. If this is the lifestyle you're leading, <laughs> why, would you, why would you change it? Right? I would never change anything. No. Yeah. They're wearing the same socks, same underwear. You do? Yeah. I know no, you I do right now. I don't. Come on. I don't. Pair of thieves. The nine inch though. Not wearing pair, pair of thieves, really. Pair of thieves, yeah. That's what you're going with. Very huh? silky. Yeah. I'm I'm holding out for our sponsorship, MeUndies. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna sponsor this. Why? Show. Come on, like we're I, great. I mean, I'm not sure we should take on sponsors. No, ever. No, I just want to reverse engineer it like, <laughs> I, want, I want to give the sponsor reasons oh, i'll prove that motherfucker wrong <laughs> <laughs> we need it please help us all right according to bloomberg business week americans using buy now pay later for groceries risk a shocker cycle of debt mm. with inflation squeezing budgets more consumers are turning to instant credit apps to make ends meet mm. i read this article which is behind a paywall so i apologize and i don't like posting those but this one was interesting. I'm, I'm just going to read the first couple of paragraphs, and this is really, really quick. Okay, go for it. Faith Smith was already stretching her $500 monthly grocery budget as far as it could go. Then her phone lit up with an imperfect solution. Mm. She got a notification that Target Corp would allow her to use buy now, pay later apps, which let consumers pay for goods in chunks over the course of several weeks or months. Smith was all too familiar with buy now, pay later process. A 34-year-old administrative assistant was already using it to buy clothes and school supplies for her young daughter. I mean, as a parent, like this, this gets me. Like, I, I get it, you know? Mm -hmm. I can't just buy groceries out of pocket like I used to, says Smith, who makes out her credit uh, on uh, buy now, pay later providers such as Afterpay. Max is out her credit, I apologize. Afterpay, Klarna, and PayPal. Three of them. It helps for a week or two, but then you're stuck with a grocery bill for a couple of months. God damn, man. That's so sad. U.S. consumers are increasingly using such installment loans to pay for everyday items like groceries, highlighting the financial pain wrought with the worst inflation outbreak in four decades. Grocery prices jumped 8.4% in the year through March, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Almost half of Americans have used buy now, pay later apps. And about one in five rely on them to buy groceries. One in five? According to a recent survey from LendingTree, Inc., some 27% use the loans as a bridge for their next paycheck. Oh, my gosh, man. See, that's what I was afraid of when I saw you post this article. It's a sad story, man. That's a, that's a lot of people, man. When I saw this article, the first thing I thought of is, I mean, it brings, it brings to mind how consumer household debt, credit card debt is at an all-time high. Meaning to me, if this is going up, how many people are maxed out? So let, let's, so there you go, right? So if your credit cards are maxed out, unlike previous eras, yes, you can now tap into buy now, pay later, as long as your credit score isn't trash. Which is putting you in, you know. It, it's, it's taking your debt position and making it way worse. Way worse. Because, so people are, one in five Americans, and I, I refuse to believe the majority of these people are like, I'm going to use it strategically for cash flow purposes. No. One in five Americans are in such a debt predicament that they have now, when they otherwise would have defaulted, mm -hmm. we have propped them up with a buy now, pay later 
infrastructure. I know. From it, multiple places. Target is, is now saying they'll accept payments. Apple is doing this shit. I see Amazon for like the most basic stuff. Yeah, dude. It, it's at a point now where it's like, it's okay, depressing. It's depressing. we are literally taking advantage of consumers for profitability because companies want to keep their earnings up. And, and just making it easier. You know, people get into the zone where they'll just, they don't want to have to deal with it. Can you imagine having a grocery bill for months that you're paying down? No, man, I can't. And when does that merry-go-round stop? And what about this lady's poor daughter? Like, how, how does that happen? That's what I'm saying. So if they're saying one in five people are doing this and they're they're in trouble. It's sad, I man. wonder. I wonder how many people. They said 50%. I think they said 50% of Americans have, have used, used it. it. Yeah. It just makes you wonder, like, okay, I mean, when's the tipping point for those people? The last, we, several, several shows ago, we talked. First payment default rate, not necessarily, like, Fully defaulting, but just making a late payment. Yeah. 47%. Yeah. Increase. No, that's the rate. Oh, that's the rate. 47% of people who get buy now, pay later services. Oh, right, 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 right. Either pay late or yeah. default in their first yeah, payment. This, I mean, this is this is bad all the way around. People that you are, say that they want to use this stuff strategically, no. The people that use this stuff strategically or do things like this strategically are putting getting points on their credit cards and then paying off at the end of the month. They're not, I, yeah. they're not, they're not, why, why would you do this? There's no benefit to you. Some people argue, I mean, these are not, not, these are not things that I necessarily endorse. They would mm -hmm. argue if I'm going to buy a hundred dollar item, right. And I have a hundred dollars in my account. It makes sense that I continue to invest $75 and I only use $25 of it up front. Yeah. And then I pay over time because that interest over time will actually wind up being better mathematically. Yeah. But. But also that person that is that into investing, I mean, your bandwidth it only runs so so long, dude. Like if you, you're you, that tight on investment money, that that's that's the path that you've chosen to take yeah. to try to eke out some more premium. Right, that's not. There's a fundamental disconnect. That's, there. that's not what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not that. That's not the user of this. Right. So it, it's. Um, I mean, yeah. The more and more people, the more and more articles like this that come out just make me feel like this is the first one we covered on the show, man. I know. This is like. 10 or 11 deep now. We've it's, seen a lot of these articles. Yeah, I don't know. It just it, it, It's worrisome because of what's to come. What's to come for all these people that use this? I mean, look, your, your yield curve inversion where the there's a delta of about 50 basis points between uh, the 30 year and the two year. Mm -hmm. And the 10 year is still obviously <laughs> oddly cheaper than two year. Yeah. When that inversion comes out and rates really start to rise like I expect them to. Mm-hmm. And you see the pressure on stuff like this, home equity lines of credit, credit cards, which are already over 20%. Right. It, it's scary. It's really, truly scary to think where these things could go. And I think, I think we've lived in, in like this rosy, optimistic period of time where people are just expecting the bad to not be so bad. Right. And yet I look at people like in the banking sector and I see how stressed people in the banking sector are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm close to it. Yeah, I live it. And yeah, I might have some, some bias. But seasoned bankers who've lived through recessionary economies have told me this is way worse than anything I have done as a banker. Dude, if, okay, if the Fed pivots, right? If the Fed pivots, where um, this problem doesn't go away for these people. No. That's, it, that, that's the problem. That, like, this problem is never, never going to, if your credit cards are already maxed out, like, you know, that come to Jesus moment is, is, is right around the corner. Let me put something in perspective. We saw this rapid increase in interest rates. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a, a, a holding period 
for however long that might be, whether it's July or it's the, end of the year. Who knows? If, if, if you want to, if you want to believe the market, the market says July. If you want to believe the Fed, they say at least through the end of the year. So let's let's just. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. Okay, you tell me what you think. Okay, all right. Do you think the rate cuts back down will be equally as fast as they were to come up? Definitely not. So the pain right. of high interest rates mm-hmm. is going to be here for a prolonged period, at least a year. Yeah. Can these people live and buy now, pay later? Well, look, for a year? I'll say this. As salaries decrease, as unemployment goes I'll up. I'll say this. I don't think that the decrease will be as fast as, as what they increased. That's assuming there isn't a collapse in one of the financial markets. Even if there is, the Fed has shown a clear persistence that these crises that, that we feel like we're enduring in the banking sector right. are not going to deter them from what they wanted to do. Yeah. They, they didn't make some reference in the last FOMC minutes that they were contemplating a 50 basis point increase, but we got 25 because of the, the concerns in the banking sector. Yeah, exactly. That isn't a significant deviation in my mind. No, it's not. So yeah. um, I, I, th- I personally am of the mindset that they're still going to hold you're going to hold through the end of the year. I'm not buying in. But that, that's neither here nor there. The consensus is that, at least on Bloomberg anyway, is that there'll be cuts before then. But Yeah, by September. But if, if they want to stay true to their goal and get inflation down to 2%, that was their goal, right? By 2025, man. By 20, yeah, so if they know that that's the case, then rates are going to have to stay elevated at least through this year, maybe into next year. All this while... According to Reuters, more U.S. consumers are falling behind on payments. And this is referring to actual credit card payments, actual car loan payments, actual home loan payments. Yeah. Quote from the article, consumers are starting to fall behind on their credit card and loan payments as the country, as the economy softens, according to executives at the biggest U.S. banks. Although they say, they said delinquency levels were still modest. And I, I agree with that statement. From yeah. what I've seen, they are still modest. Mm-hmm. Profits at Bank of America Corp, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co., Wells Fargo & Co., and Citigroup beat analyst forecasts, as we talked about earlier, and mm-hmm. we talked about where to see some of those forecasts, as lending giants earned a windfall from rising interest rates. But industry chiefs warned that strength would tail off this year as a recession looms and customer delinquencies climb. A quote from the article, We've seen some consumer financial health trends gradually weaken from a year ago. Wells Fargo Chief Financial Officer Mike, I'm not going to say his last name, Good luck. said on a conference call Friday to discuss first quarter results. So you can see how that even though we're not seeing like red flags right now, mm-hmm. that a lot of people who are seasoned experts expect there to be some pretty significant Mm-hmm. Impacts so much so that this article goes on to talk about how large banks are provisioning extra money for losses. Right, they're trying to say, "Hey, we're going to set aside these dollars because we expect more loan losses on the horizon because people are going to stop making payments or have financial difficulties." Right. So but- now the banks are starting to shore up their portfolios because they're afraid of what's going to happen to the consumer after this. When you think the banks would be worried about just keeping their financial houses in order, they're already thinking, "Okay, you know what." I know we're worried about liquidity. I know we're worried about the markets, but shit, yeah. I'm worried about the consumers not paying us back on those loans. Yeah, yeah, and that that that's that's the part that I don't think the consumers really see or feel yet, and that mm-hmm. that's the part that worries me. Yeah, I mean, I I actually didn't get a chance to to look into that. Did you did you look at any of the 
bank's earnings that came out to see if they set aside, you know, more funds than normal for their loan loss provisions. Almost all the large banks did. So uh, I think this article actually goes into Bank of America set aside more losses. American Express said in a filing. I mean, we knew everyone would, but I, I was curious to know, you know, is it a significant amount? I think for them, it's significant. It's not significant relative, relative to their balance sheets. But yeah. so as a bank, you have a public image here a little bit, right? So if these banks are setting aside losses for, for you know, set up money for losses, right? They're provisioning right. for it. Right. They have to hold more of their capital and provisions for loan losses. Yes. Which does have some impacts to their balance sheet. And you can provision more money. You can be proactive versus reactive. That's the way you're supposed to do it. But it's not something they, they just do because they want to do it. They actually have to justify this from an accounting perspective mm -hmm. because they're outside accountants, they're outside auditors. They're going to look at this and say, okay, well, how did you get to this number? You're not Why just squirreling you... away money, yeah, are right. you? Why right? did you get to this? Exactly. Are, are you manipulating your balance sheet? Are you manipulating your earnings? Mm -hmm. So they have to really justify this. So they have modeling and forecast and, and data like Moody's and third-party providers that give them data that they're actually looking at to draw these conclusions. Right. So a lot of banks have done this or they've kept them flat at that, at that point in time. I don't think I've seen anybody decrease them at this particular cycle, but mm -hmm. you're starting to see the pivot from, hey, I'm afraid the banks are going to fail to, hey, I'm afraid for the banks, but oh, by the way, I'm afraid of consumers failing, which would also impact the banks. Yep. So there, there is a shift you're seeing, although gradual, but our job, you know, being doing what we're doing here at the show is to put people on notice proactively. Right. To tell them, hey, be cautious of these things. This is what you can expect. This Monitor is what, this your is spending. Seeing. Right. Don't buy $2,000 shoes. Don't, definitely not. Find yourself a plug. Nah. <laughs> a plug. <laughs> so we did have one more article to talk about, which I thought was interesting that Saeed posted in the show notes. No, this is, I, I actually wanted to just tie this into uh, the Fed's beige book because um, in their beige book, they said a small number of firms had mass layoffs. Uh, those layoffs were a subset in some of the largest companies, right? So, and the article that we posted was Meta had, you know, what they're trying to make it seem like another round of layoffs, but the 11,000, the second round of 11,000, this is part of that, that round. So, and this is, this is kind of what we talked about earlier when we talked about how companies aren't going to make as much money as they weren't once were making. Yeah. So now they have to really, get into balance sheet management, expense management, right? and try to cut their expenses back. And unfortunately, as, as sad as it might be, and this article from CNBC kind of alludes to it, is that layoffs are part of that. Yes. Right? So the article titled, Meta has started its latest round of layoffs focusing on technical employees. Right. Which is interesting because they've chosen to tell the employees internally which employees are subject to layoffs. Mm -hmm. So they kind of know going into it. They which, know, I know, you know, they, they know the, the different, um, I guess, portions of the company that are getting laid. Yeah. I, but you're going to see this across many sectors. I think we've seen it a lot in the tech space, like we, like we mentioned earlier. But, and this is, this is one way of managing your expenses. Absolutely, right? yeah. And, and that's, it's, it's, it's a sad human reality we have to face. That, you know, mm -hmm. there's a human capital element here, and it's very numbers, ones and zeros, but mm -hmm. it's real. Yeah. I mean, for big companies like, like Meta and Google, and then they had a lot of perks that they could get rid of. And they did. And, and, that's what, and that's what they tried to do first. And then from there, it goes, it goes to reducing your labor force. But mm -hmm. um, other companies didn't have those luxuries, so they had to get on that right away. And 
in just certain sectors so far, but I, I really do think you start to see this. Well, and even even if you don't believe and you, you believe that, that we're negative and the show's negative, which you know I've, we've heard from people before who've criticized, mm-hmm. in order to hit the Fed target inflation rate of 2 to 3%, yes. you have to have unemployment go up. It's just a natural byproduct. It's a natural byproduct. Although exactly. there are some nominees to the Fed uh, who would argue that unemployment is not inflationary. Mm. I don't believe that it's inflationary, but I think the counter-reactive to inflationary economies and monetary policy, the counter-action is that employment rises anyway. So even though it's not inflationary, mm-hmm. it is the response to the mandatory Fed policy to quell inflation. Right. Because if unemployment is low, wages are going up, so you have wage inflation, which means in turn, they'll be, you'll charge more for your services, charge more for your goods, Right. And then because of that, then you'll have higher inflation. So the way to bring wages down is you have an increased number of unemployment, less jobs. You won't have to pay people as much, therefore bringing wage inflation down, therefore bringing services, cost of goods down. So two points. Okay. Point number one, if we're going to get to even healthy unemployment, 5%, -hmm. and tech companies and banking and lending companies have already laid off people and we're still at what unemployment rate? Three and a half. Three and a half percent. Goddamn. Okay, we're still one and a half percent below that. Mm-hmm. The, the healthy, normalized unemployment. And, we, and I think the overall consensus in the market is that it's going to go above a healthy number, especially if there's a recessionary economy, which is, again, consensus at this point in time. And we know that'll happen after the recession is already declared over. Right. It, that's when it peaks. Unemployment typically peaks after the end of the recession. The job layoffs we're going to see moving forward will have to be more than we've already seen, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, will also have to come from other sectors. Yes, exactly. And that's the the unavoidable reality that nobody wants to face. And my second point is is one that I, I just observationally have referenced. If you're if you were 18 when you got into the work environment and you've lived through the last 14 years, mm-hmm. let's say you were 18 in 2009. Yeah. And you've been working for the last 13, 14 years. Yeah. 21, uh, 31, 32. Right. There's a, there's a very justifiable reason for you to think that times are always good. Yeah, you don't know any better. And we've talked a lot about younger generations having this sense of entitlement in, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I think that extends to jobs and security. And I think that's the reason why what used to be scary news and mm-hmm. would stop people from spending mm-hmm. hasn't stopped them from spending. Yeah, it, what what doesn't help, and we won't get, we won't make it political, but you know, handing out all those stimmies. Mm, I love me a stimmy. And it, Somebody out, stimmy me. <laughs> I'll give you a stimmy. Yeah, it's my boy. Yeah, that doesn't help either, right? Because it just makes you feel like there's always going to be a handout. Not always a handout. Maybe just a handy. Out of hand out. I would like future sponsors to know that <laughs> I do not endorse such topics. What is it? What do you mean? Uh, a handshake, bro. Uh, I do not make references like that at I, all during the show. I, you might see them because that's what you think. Oh gosh. Uh, but I I do like money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just sponsor your portion of the show. And uh, my other point to one of Saeed's long-winded diatribe that he's had earlier about uh, earnings and managing money is. Um, we can't manage our expenses anymore. Down they are now. 
So the only way for us to grow our profitability is for a sponsor to come on board and give us some money. Yeah. Or for you to leave an honest five-star review. We need that honest five-star review. We need you to subscribe to the channel. We need you to smash that like button. I can't believe we turned into that guy, those guys. We didn't. You did. Yeah. You you wanted me to say it, though. I did. Yeah. But you still said it. Yeah. I Jedi mind fucked you. Yes. Yeah. Leave us an honest five-star review. Request someone to smash the like button. Whether that's on Spotify or Apple. Or YouTube. I mean, I don't know if they get reviews on YouTube, but um, you can subscribe. Leave Leave comments. comments. Leave comments. See that little alarm button? Click it. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what all all the YouTubers say? There's no alarm button? I don't think anybody says that. Yeah, turn on all notifications. Yeah, that that's what they say, but the yeah. alarm button. Yeah. yeah, see the little alarm button. Click it. Uh, it's been a long time since you've actually watched the YouTube channel, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Yeah. All right. And no content creators. I'd like to point out that we did this almost entire show on what normally takes us, you know, eight to ten articles on what three, four. Kudos, man. I mean, we are cunning linguists. Good for you, man. And uh, as much as I would like to talk to you for another two hours. Hey, we're getting out of here at eleven o'clock tonight. We should we should leave this right here. Right here. Say it to him. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.